with me. Revelation chapter 20. Amen. Revelation chapter 20. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, the great chain in his hand. He laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, bound him a thousand years, cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones and they sat upon them Judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived with Christ uh, and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ shall reign with him a thousand years. In the book of Hebrews, in the sixth chapter, we see the principal doctrines, the ABC doctrines of the faith. Hebrews chapter 6. Beginning with verse 1, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptism and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. This will we do if God permit. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. We ask your blessing to be upon the reading of your holy word. We thank you for your anointing and your strength this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. All right, we're going to continue to teach you on the eternal state. Pull this chart out. Right, praise the Lord. God is good. Okay, first thing I need to do uh, by way of clarifying something for you. Last Sunday morning, we talked about, I read to you out of Matthew, um, that we had a resurrection that took place of a young girl that had died and made the statement that Jesus had got delayed. Uh, Jairus, Jairus, or however you want to say his name, uh, came to Jesus. And the Bible says in the Gospel of Matthew that she was dead. But if you look in Mark chapter 5, you will see that Jesus was actually delayed uh, from getting to her by a woman coming uh, with an issue of blood. So to bring clarity to you, because I remember last Sunday 
that I made that statement, but when I read it to you in the Gospel of Matthew, the Bible says she was dead. But the Gospel of Mark says it shows us she, he was delayed. Uh, so she wasn't actually dead at the time the ruler came to Jesus. So to make clarity, it has to do with the particular Gospel uh, that you're reading. Get more details in Mark chapter 5 on that. Now let me do something here um, for the sake of also adding some things to the teaching on the resurrections. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Not totally, totally satisfied with last Sunday. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 23. I think I'll back up just a little bit in verse 19. 1 Corinthians 15, 19. The resurrections. Now we've learned some things last week that there is not one general resurrection. Uh, there is a resurrection which is called the first resurrection. There's a second resurrection. And the first resurrection deals with the resurrection of the saved. The second resurrection deals with the resurrection of the lost. And so uh, we need to understand that. But within the first resurrection, there are different phases. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning with verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits, say the first fruits of them that slept. Okay, so he was what? Risen from the dead. And he's the first fruits. Verse 21 For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Verse 23, but every man in his own order. Here's the order of the first resurrection. Okay? Christ, the first fruits. So when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he's the first fruits of the resurrection. He's the one that started it, okay? And then notice the next phase. And this is an order, all right? You have Jesus is the first fruits. The next order, or the next rank of people, that will be resurrected are they that are, are Christ at His coming. And that's His second coming. Then verse 24, Then cometh the end when He shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even to the Father, when He shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. Okay? So that is the order of the first resurrection. First, it started with Jesus Christ. He's the first fruits. And when He rose from the dead, we know that there were many uh, the saints that rose with him, amen, and appeared in the holy city, that would be known as the first fruits. Now, the priest would go in and the feast of first fruits, and he would wave these sheaths before God, and it was a guarantee of the harvest that would come, that would follow. So, when Jesus rose again as the first fruits, he presented a group of people that represented a harvest that would come or a larger resurrection that would take place in the future. So Jesus was the first fruits, and then the Bible says the next phase of resurrection takes place at His coming, and that's His second coming. And then the Bible says, then cometh the end. So this is the order of the resurrection. Now these resurrections obviously don't take place at the same time. You have Jesus Christ, the first fruits. It's been almost, what, uh, 2,000 years since He rose from the dead. All right, at His second coming, you have the next phase. The Bible says they that are 
His at His coming will be resurrected. And then the next phase is, then cometh the end. Okay, so that's the, the order of the resurrection. Now let me go give the order to you so you can write this down and do more study on it. I don't have time to get into details on all of these things, but I'll give you the scriptures so you can go and study them for yourself. First one, first one being 1 Corinthians 15, 23 and 24. Okay, the order of the resurrection as given by Paul. Now, okay, so we have then the resurrection of the church at His second coming. Okay, that's that second phase in 1 Corinthians 15. The resurrection of the church, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-18, and also accompanying that resurrection of the church, that means the dead in Christ, there is going to be the catching away of the living. Those that have not died will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air with them. That is the church at His coming. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-18. And also at His coming, you have the resurrection of tribulation saints, Revelation 23-5, Old Testament saints, Daniel 12-2, and Isaiah 26-9. And this, these resurrections here uh, deal with the second coming of Jesus. So you have the church, you have the tribulation saints, you have Old Testament saints, in that second phase, alright? Then, the third phase is given by Paul. Then the end cometh. Now, the end would be a thousand years later. You see that? So you have Christ, the first fruits, and those that came up as first fruits. Then you have the general harvest at the second coming of Jesus, the resurrection of the dead that are in the church. Old Testament saints, tribulation saints, etc., resurrected at His second coming. And then a thousand years later, then cometh the end. A thousand years later, you have a resurrection of the lost and they go stand before the Lord at the great white throne. So do you see that resurrection there? Okay? Bible's very clear between the first resurrection of the saved and the second resurrection of the lost at the great white throne judgment. There's a thousand year period of time that separates those judgments. Everybody clear on that? Now the question has been asked then, um, if, if you have the resurrection completed at the second coming of Jesus, well, what about the saints in the thousand-year kingdom age? Okay, well, let's go over here and let's look at a passage in Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65. The saints that go into the kingdom, and we're talking about living people that go in the kingdom. Because obviously, if the church has been raptured, let me show you. If the church has been raptured, we're with the Lord in the, in the heavenly city, the New Jerusalem. Okay? So glorified people will be in the New Jerusalem. Now, I don't want to confuse you. I'm going to do my best to teach you because there's a lot that goes on in my mind when I try to do this. But when you have the resurrection, you've got people that are in glorified bodies. Okay? That takes place right before the thousand-year kingdom age at the second coming of Jesus. So you have a group of people with glorified bodies and they will be in the heavenly city, the New Jerusalem. And that heavenly city will be occupied not just by the church, okay, but Old Testament saints as well. If you look at Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about the spirits of just men made perfect. So there's going to be a lot of people in this heavenly city 
the church will be there. Uh, Israel will be there. Obviously, different designations of those people. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Okay. But anyway, at the time of the resurrection, the second coming of Jesus, right before the thousand-year kingdom age, you've got people that are in glorified bodies. They will be in the new Jerusalem. Okay? At the second coming of Jesus, though, you have people who've made it through the tribulation period that did not die, and they are alive, and they go into this thousand-year earthly reign of Jesus, and they will live on the earth without glorified bodies in the kingdom age. Are you with me at this point? These people that are alive that go into the kingdom age will give birth to children. These children that they give birth to will have a sin nature in them because they're not glorified. These living people that are on the earth in the thousand year reign of Christ also will have a sin nature because they're not glorified. You understand? So we have the righteous. They're the only ones that go in the kingdom. You with me here? The only ones that go into the kingdom as far as the earth is concerned are righteous people. They will give birth to children. Some of those children will rebel against God. And they will be slain. They will be killed. Now those sinners obviously will be judged at the great white throne judgment at the end of the thousand year reign. But what about the righteous in the thousand years? Okay, well let's see if we can answer that. I'm going to do my best to answer that. There's two possibilities. Number one, that they live through the whole thousand year reign and there's no need for them to be resurrected from the dead because they live the whole period of time without dying. And then they would be translated into the heavens like Enoch was, the seventh from Adam. Now we'll get into that in just a moment, but let's go to uh, Isaiah 65. Uh, we will start there. Verse 20. Are you there? 65, 20. Now this brings us to the kingdom age. Also, it's interesting because it's in the context of the new heavens and the new earth. But anyway, the Bible tells us, uh, verse 20, There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. For the child, the child shall die a hundred years old. But the sinner being a hundred years old, shall be accursed. Right? They're going to be cut off. The sinner is going to be cut off. Verse 21. They shall build houses and inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree are the days of who? My people. And mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain nor bring forth for trouble. For they are the seed of of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. You with me here? Okay. So what we see here in the kingdom age then, the living saints of God, those that belong to the Lord, the Bible says their life will be like the life of a tree. So their life will be extended like the days before the fall. All right? Or right after the fall. Now, Adam lived to be 930 years old. He almost lived to be a thousand years old. Methuselah lived to be 969 years. So they almost lived to be a thousand years old. So when we go back in restoration time, when God comes back to the earth, sets up His earthly kingdom, they will people will live a thousand years. Okay? 
Like I said, Adam, 930, Methuselah, 969 years. They almost made it a thousand years, literally, physically living on this earth. So when Jesus comes back, as far as the living is concerned, the righteous, those who entered into the kingdom, it is possible that they live all the way through the thousand-year kingdom age on the earth and they do not die. Therefore, there is no need for the resurrection of those saints. Go to the book of Jude in Jude 14. Now the sinner will be cut off, but we know that he'll come up in the second resurrection and be judged at the great white throne judgment. So there will be a resurrection for the sinner. Now Jude 14. <coughs> Enoch is given as a type here. It says, And Enoch also the seventh, say with me, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. He's the seventh from Adam. Now, why would God set it up like that? Why isn't he the fifth one? Why isn't he the fourth from Adam? He's the seventh from Adam because he's a type. Now, Adam was caught, or Enoch was caught up without dying right before the flood. Taken up from the earth. He was literally taken up, all right? So Enoch did not die. He's the seventh from Adam. So he's a type of the seventh. You with me? Are you with me here? The seventh, which is the day of rest. The seventh is the day of rest. The kingdom age is the time of rest. 6,000 years of man's day from Adam to the second coming of Jesus. When Jesus comes back, He will set up His day. It's called the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is the day that God rested from all that He had made. So when we talked about the seventh day, you have the literal seventh day of the week, which is Saturday, but you have the seventh millennium, which is the day of the Lord. So the seventh day then is the kingdom age. All right? 6,000 years of man's day. After that, we have the coming of the Lord. And then the beginning of the seventh day or the 7,000 year, the 7,000, uh, 7,000 year, all the way through 7,000 or through the almost the 8,000th year. Does that make sense to you? So what we see then Enoch, after 6,000 uh, years of man's day, the day the Lord comes and sets up his day, which is a thousand years in length, then Enoch is a type of those that will be resurrected right at the beginning of the kingdom age, at the second coming of Jesus. But it's also because he's the seventh from Adam. He's a picture of those that would be, and I said resurrection, re resurrected. He was caught up. You with me? So the church, some people are not going to die. They're going to be caught up. So at the beginning of the, the seventh millennium, the kingdom age, some will be caught up not seeing death. At the end of the thousand years, or the end of the seventh day, there will be some that have lived all the way through the thousand years. They will be caught up and they'll be planted in the heavens just like Enoch was. Okay? What I'm trying to establish here is the possibility is that there will not need to be a resurrection of the righteous that the first resurrection does indeed complete at the second coming of Jesus. The second resurrection is a thousand years later and deals with the judgment upon the wicked. So if there's no need for the resurrection of the righteous, they lived all the way through the thousand year kingdom age. Does that make sense to you? They'll be caught up without dying. So that deals with the question, what about the righteous in the thousand year kingdom age that have died? Well, it's possible they won't die. They'll be like Enoch caught up <coughs> the seventh from Adam. Now, if they do die, if the righteous do die in the kingdom age, then there has to be a general resurrection, not just of the lost, but a general resurrection also of the saved after the kingdom age. 
And as to when they would be judged, then the only one that I see in the Bible would be the great white throne judgment. So two possibilities. They lived all the way through the kingdom age without dying, not needing to be resurrected from the dead. They're caught up like Enoch was, the seventh from Adam, and they're planted in the heavens. Or if they do die, I'm talking about the righteous, if they do die, then they're resurrected, okay, with at the end of the kingdom age, resurrected from the dead, and they will be judged with the ungodly at the great white throne judgment. That's the only two possibilities it can be. Okay? Say praise the Lord. So that would bring you to the third phase of resurrection. Then cometh the end. Okay? Praise the Lord. All right. Hallelujah. So, that answers that question to the best of my ability. Obviously, I haven't been there yet, so I'm not sure. But you would, you would not believe how much debate goes on about these things. Okay? Because we see through a glass darkly. Okay. Now, as far as the judgments, let me go into a little bit more detail on the judgments. Because I was looking up here on the map trying to find where those judgments were, you know, by number. But I'm going to stay away from this because it, it can get me in trouble. Alright? So I'm just going to go to the Word of the Lord. Now, here's the order of the judgments. We talked about the order of the resurrections. Here's the order of the judgments. First of all, Jesus dying on the cross. A judgment fell upon Him for sin. Okay, do you understand that? Alright. Then you have the judgment on the church at the Bema Seat. By the way, let me give you the Scriptures on Jesus dying on the cross as a judgment. John 5.24, Romans 5.9 and 8.1. Now, Jesus died on the cross. A judgment came upon our sin in Him. But also, Satan was judged and sin was judged at the cross. So there was a judgment right there. You with me? Okay. John 5.24, Romans 5.9, Romans 8.1. Now, I don't know how in the world you're going to be able to, to get this without taking notes, but I'm going to give it to, to those that want it, and you know you can get the tape, the rest of you. But uh, Jesus, judgment on the cross. Then we have the judgment on the church. First, uh, when the rapture takes place, verse 4, 8-13. through 13. Then Romans 14.10, 1 Corinthians 3.11-15. That's the Bema seat, or the, the judgment seat of Christ. Do you see that right here? So, at the rapture of the church, we're going to be judged at the Bama seat for works, not for salvation. Notice, it's not at the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment determines salvation. This, this judgment on the believer is for works and crowns and rewards are given, okay? So that's a judgment. The judgment upon the church at the Bama seat. Now, you have the judgment on the nation of Israel. Ezekiel 20, 37 through 38. Zechariah 13, 8 through 9, a judgment on the nation of Israel. So when the Lord comes back, stands on the Mount of Olives, there's going to be a judgment upon living Israel. Let me, let me explain, let me say that to you. Living Israel, okay? Those that have made it through the tribulation period. Living Israel. And God, in Ezekiel chapter 20, let me make sure that's the right verse. Ezekiel 20, 30 through, 37 through 38. God is going to judge living Israel. And there's going to be a separation of, of the nation of Israel. They will not be reckoned with the other nations. That means they're not going to be judged at the same time the nations are judged. So at the second coming of Jesus in Jerusalem, the land of Jerusalem, earthly Jerusalem, He will gather living Israel and judge them and separate 
Those that belong to Him and those that don't belong to Him, those that don't belong to Him are going to be judged. Those that do belong to Him are going to go into the kingdom and Israel will be the head of the nations. Okay? You with me? So at the second coming of Jesus, you have the judgment upon the church of the Bama Sea. We're rewarded. There's a judgment that deals with Israel. Who goes into the kingdom age? That judgment upon living Israel determines who goes into the kingdom age of Israel. Okay? You with me so far? A third judgment. Uh, like I said, that's in Israel. It's on the earth. So on and so forth at the second coming of Jesus. Now, then you have the judgment of the nations. Matthew 25, 31-46. Isaiah 34, 1-2. Joel 3, 11-16. through 16. The judgment of the nations. Now, the judgment of the nations evidently is right after the judgment upon Israel. So God judges Israel, determines who of Israel goes into the kingdom age right after that. Then you have the general nations that are gathered there. It's called the throne of His glory. Matthew 25. It's not the great white throne judgment. It's not called the great white throne judgment. It's called the throne of His glory. Where does it take place? It takes place near Israel in the valley of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat means judgment. So God is going to judge the nations in the valley of Jehoshaphat near Jerusalem, okay, in the Middle East. And that will determine who of the living nations go into the kingdom. They're called the sheep. The goats are cut off. They are slain. They are died. Uh, are you with me here? But the those that are the sheep go into the kingdom age. That's the judgment upon living nations. And the, the throne of God will be on the earth at that time. It's called the throne of His glory. And He will judge near Israel those nations. Who's going to go into the kingdom age? Okay, so that's the third judgment. Alright? You with me here? I've got to go fast. You do not have any clue how much territory I've got to cover this, this morning. So you're going to have to get it. You're going to listen. And I just trust that you have the ability to hear and listen when I'm, in, when I'm teaching you. Alright. Now, then you have after that, okay, praise the Lord, the judgment of fallen angels. Jude 6, Revelation 20, verse 10, with Satan. Okay? Revelation 20, 10, with Satan. Now, when does that happen? Well, the Bible tells us we know that when Jesus comes back and sets up His earth, the kingdom of a thousand years, alright, the church is with the Lord in the heavenly city, New Jerusalem. I believe personally that the Mount, uh, Mount Zion is going to jettison up through right up to the base of the city of the, of the heavenly Jerusalem. I personally believe that the heavenly city is going to come down from God out of heaven at the beginning of the thousand year reign of Christ. And that, uh, this, the, uh, the Mount Zion will jettison up, up to that new Jerusalem. But anyway, the Jerusalem of God, the new Jerusalem will be the, where the resurrected saints are, the thousand year reign of Christ where the earthly people who have gone in the kingdom of Israel and of the nations, uh, they'll go into that, that earthly kingdom. Now, after that thousand year reign, what we have then is that second resurrection, the resurrection of the damned, the resurrection of the lost, alright? They go and stand before God at the great white throne judgment. But, right before that, at the end of that thousand years, we see in Revelation chapter 20, we see Satan gathering a group of people in rebellion against God and going to fight God. With me? With me? Revelation 20. They go and fight God. So there are people that Satan are able to gather together at the end of a thousand year reign that will go and fight against God 
in the kingdom age. Can you imagine that? The Bible says God will rain down fire from heaven. He'll destroy them. He'll wipe them out. Now, Satan, who was in the, in the bottomless pit for a thousand years, who been loosed <coughs> for a little season, has gathered these people in rebellion. It's called Gog. Goes up and fight against God. God judges them. And at that point, I believe that's when Satan and that's when his host will be judged. Okay? When, you rain, when God rains down fire upon them in heaven. Now, where is their judgment? The judgment upon Satan and upon his host. Well, probably in the spirit realm somewhere. Somewhere between heaven and earth. Okay? Because they are of a, of a different realm. They're of a spirit realm. So that judgment upon Satan and upon his host will probably take place somewhere in the heavenly realm where their abode is. You with me here? Okay. So it's either right at the end of the thousand year reign of Christ or right before the great white throne judgment that Satan and his angels are judged. You with me? Okay. And I gave you the verses. You can look it up. Now, it is possible that they'll be judged at the great white throne judgment because it's right after the thousand year reign of Christ when that takes place. Okay, so either right before the great white throne judgment in a spiritual realm or at the great white throne judgment, that'll be the judgment upon uh, Satan and his angels. Okay? Now, <clears throat> number six. The final judgment is the judgment of the great white throne. Revelation 20, 11 through 15. You with me here? And is the resurrection of the dead. It's the second resurrection. And... <clears throat> Everybody from Adam all the way to that time will be resurrected. I'm talking about unbelievers will be resurrected from the dead, stand before God, and their place or destiny will be determined based on their unregenerate condition. After that judgment, they're cast into the lake of fire. So that would be the great white throne judgment. So just real fast, going over those judgments with you once again so you'll understand it. The judgment on Jesus on the cross... And what he did, he judged sin and Satan on the church at the famous seat of the judgment of the nation of Israel, followed by the judgment of the nations, followed by the judgment a thousand years later of fallen angels and Satan, and then the great white throne judgment. So that would cover the order of judgment. Now, you've got some smaller judgments interlinked in there, like the judgment on Antichrist and the judgment on false prophets, so on and so forth. At the second coming of Jesus, you've got the judgment on Babylon, uh, at the second coming of Jesus. So you've got some other little judgments that fall within that. Also, the present day judgment of the believer upon himself. Okay? So that pretty much covers the, the judgment program. Hopefully that will give you a little bit more understanding on the resurrections and the judgments. Now, let's go into the eternal state. The eternal state, we're going to deal with the location. Where are people going to be? Right? <clears throat> the eternal state, the ultimate eternal state is the punishment of the wicked and the rewarding of the righteous. Now, we taught you last week that while we're on planet Earth, that's a probationary period of time. After you die, you're no longer in probation. Testing. You have either prepared for eternity to be in heaven, or you have not prepared to be in eternity in heaven, you will be in hell. So, when you move into the eternal state, it's now reward time. Okay? Everybody has an opportunity in, while they're alive on planet Earth to prepare for eternity. Now, all right, so we have the punishment of the wicked and the rewarding of the righteous. Heaven slash hell. Okay, first of all, heaven. <clears throat> heaven. Hebrew Shemayan. Uh, S-H-A-M-Y-I-N. Shemayan. 
the word heaven, Shemayim, is a plural word. Heavens. Okay? Now, heaven is going to be the place where the righteous are. Now, we know that to be the heavenly city of the New Jerusalem, correct? Okay, so well, we call it heaven, right? But anyway. Okay. Heaven is our goal. Heaven is where you want to be. Heaven's where I want to be. Alright? Praise the Lord. Shemayim, plural. We'll get into that in just a moment. Okay. First of all, heaven is the dwelling place of the redeemed. Only the redeemed. You with me here? It is an actual place. Genesis 2, 1 and 4 and Deuteronomy 10, 14. It is an actual place. Okay, it's not a spiritual thing. It's an actual place. The Bible says we are seated together with Christ Jesus in heavenly places right now. That's spiritual. Okay, spiritually we are with Him there. But there is a literal physical place called heaven that we are going to. You would be surprised how many teachers today or preachers today say that heaven is not a real place. That heaven is a spiritual condition. Well, I do believe it's a spiritual condition in Christ, but it is an actual place, okay? <clears throat> you, with, you with me here? Amen. Uh, it is God's dwelling place. 2 Chronicles 6, 25 and 33. God's dwelling place. Hebrews 1, 10, 4, 14. Daniel 4, 26. Zechariah 12 and 1. It was created by God. 1 Chronicles 16, 23. You with me? And 31, Job 9 and 8. Now, there are three heavens. As I said, the Hebrew word Shemayim is plural. The Greek word Ureno is also a plural word. It means heavens or skies. The Hebrew word Shemayim means heavens or the, uh, the, the lifting up or the heaving up of things. The Greek word in the New Testament, Ureno, means the heavens or the skies. Both of them plural terms. So when you talk about heaven, you need to understand there's more than just one. There are three. Okay, let's go through this. <clears throat> just like you have three places in the tabernacle. You have an outer court, you have a holy place and a holy of holies. Three places in the tabernacle. The tabernacle, according to the book of Hebrews, according to the book of Revelation, is a type of the heaven, heavenly sanctuary. Okay? So what is in the heavens, God placed on the earth in the tabernacle in types and shadows or picture form. Okay? Praise the Lord. Now, first of all, the third heaven. Third heaven. Interesting. The Bible is literally, literally calls the, there's a third heaven. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. A third heaven. It's also called paradise. It's the dwelling place of God. It's the direct, where the direct presence of God is located. Let me give you some scriptures, okay? The immediate presence of God is there. It's called paradise. It's, it would be the holiest of all in the tabernacle. It's the place of God's glory or brightness. 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 4 calls it the third. It also is called paradise there. Luke 23, 43, Revelation 2, 7, 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 4. Uh, these terms are used. And then Revelation 4, 1, we know according to the book of Revelation, that's where the throne of God Himself is. Okay, so the third heaven. You got that? If you do, say praise the Lord. Good. And the second heaven is a planetary heaven. That would be uh, parallel to the holy place right here in the tabernacle. The secondary heaven or the planetary heaven. Holy of holies, third heaven. Holy place, second heaven. 
the planets, the stars, so on and so forth that are there, the billions of planets that are there, all the stars that are in that second heaven or the middle heaven. You with me here? Okay. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers, darkness, spiritual weakness, heavenly places, so on and so forth. In where? Heavenly places are literally the second heaven. So the second heaven then is where Satan and his host, okay, have set their, their kingdom up in that realm. Okay, so billions and billions of planets, galaxies, stars, so on and so forth. That would be known as the second heaven. All right? In the last days, they, there will be, uh, things will be darkened in that heaven. Uh, also in that heaven, a shaking will take place. Joel 2.10, Haggai 2.6, Isaiah 50 verse 3, 51 and 6, Isaiah 13, 13, 34, 4. Let's us know that in the last days these things are going to happen. There's going to be a shaking of those heavens, that second heaven, and a darkening. Right? You with me here? Great, great, great judgments will take place that will affect the second heaven. Alright, so that parallels the holy place. The first heaven is the atmosphere. Now, we're coming from the third heaven where God is and the second heaven where the stars are, so on and so forth. But the first heaven is, from our perspective, it's the first heaven. Does that make sense? From God's perspective, His heaven would probably be the first. But anyway, Paul says it's the third. So anyway, the first heaven is the atmosphere. Say the atmosphere. This atmosphere that's around planet Earth that gives us the ability to breathe. Amen where you see clouds coming in and God drops the rain on the earth in those clouds. For what? For production. So that we can eat. So that we can be sustained. So God has put this atmosphere around our earth that's called the first heaven. So real quick. You with me here? Okay. It is the immediate one that surrounds planet earth. It's for our breath, wind, sun, shines, rain, <clears throat> produce sustenance for men. That that parallels the outer court. You understand that? Okay. Now also, that atmospheric heaven that's around the earth is going to uh, it's going to go through a renovation process because it's been defiled by Satan. Okay, we'll get in that in just a moment. Are you here? So the, the first heaven and the atmospheric heaven parallels the outer court. This heaven is to be followed by a new heaven and a new earth in due time. It is to be rolled up as a scroll and melt with fervent heat. Genesis 1, 8, 2 Peter 3, 5 through 16, Revelation 21 and 1 and 2. Are you with me? It can be shut up. That means it withholds rain from man and sin. 2 Chronicles 6, 2, 26, 1 Kings 17, 1, Deuteronomy 28, 23, Leviticus 26, 19, Job 1, 16, Revelation 6, 13 through 15, Revelation 20, 11, 21, 1, Job 15, 15, Revelation 12, 7 through 12. All right? Does that make sense? Okay. Now, the Bible tells us it is polluted by the presence of Satan and his angels until they are cast out and then it will become clean. So at some point uh, in the future, when God brings in the new heavens and the new earth, uh, this atmospheric heaven that we have around the earth is going to be new. Okay, so do you understand that? That's why uh, he, uh, heaven in the Hebrew is Shemayim is a plural word. In the Greek, oreno, or however it's pronounced, is a plural word. Okay? Praise God. Amen. Now, <coughs> new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. 
When you talk about the new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, this is the eternal dwelling place of the redeemed. The new Jerusalem is the capital of the universe where the redeemed are gathered for worship and service. Revelation 21 through 22. Isaiah 65, 17, 66, 22, 2 Peter 3, 13. Okay? There's going to be a new earth. The Bible is very clear on that. Correct? Revelation 21, verse 1. Tells us it's going to be a new, earth, a new heavens and a new earth. They're going to pass away. Correct? You with me? Okay. So the New Jerusalem is the capital city of the new heavens and the new earth. Um, it is the city that Abraham looked for. Hebrews eleven ten through 16. Revelation three twelve. Hebrews chapter 12. It is the place of the tabernacle of God. Now, in that heavenly city, let me give you some characteristics of that new, new Jerusalem. No tears. Revelation 21, 4. No more death. Revelation 21, 4. God's glory will be there. Revelation 21, 10 through 21. No shadows. It's going to be transparent. All right? Because the light of God's glory will be there forever. There's not going to be any shadow. Do you understand? Light's going to be everywhere. So I'm going to just have one light shining on a chair or shining on something, an object, and putting the shadow. There will be no shadows because light will be everywhere. Okay? There will be no night in that city. No night. In the new heavens and the new earth, there will be no night. In the thousand year reign of Christ, there will be night and day. In the thousand year reign. But in the new heavens and the new earth, the new Jerusalem, there's not going to be any night at all in any of those. Okay? So there will be no shadows. There will be complete transparency. No uncertainty when you get to that place. Okay? Because you're dealing with the eternal state. Now, um, let me give you that. Uh, did I say worship of God? Did I give you that? Okay. Worship to God, even to the Lamb. It's going to be direct. Revelation 21, 22. Eternal light, no night. On the new earth as well as the new heaven. Revelation 21, 23 through 26. No unrighteousness or unholy person will be there. Only the redeemed. Revelation 21, 27, 22, 15. The river of life will be there. 22, 1 and 22, 7. The tree of eternal life to those who obey. Revelation 22, 2, 14, 2, 7, Genesis 2, 17. Now that tree of life, remember, when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they fell. And uh, you understand? They were not able to eat of the tree of life because they would have continued to live forever in a state of, of you know, fallenness. So what God does is, because of disobedience, they lost that ability. But by obedience, according to Revelation, people will be able to partake of that eternal tree of life, okay? Uh, based on obedience. So we see the contrast. Okay, praise the Lord. Y'all with me? All right. Uh, did I give you the river of life? 22, 7, 1 and 7. Okay, the tree of eternal life. Those who obey, Revelation 22, 2, 14, 2, 7, Genesis 2, 17. We'll also be able to see His face, Revelation 22, 4. Uh, we will be kings and priests unto Him, Revelation 1, 6, 5, 9, 15, 22, 5. All right? So that's what it's going to be like in the New Jerusalem for those that are going to be there. Now go to Hebrews chapter 12. The Bible tells us who's going to be in that heavenly city. Okay. Verse 22. But you come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, 
to an innumerable company of angels. So in that heavenly city, the New Jerusalem, innumerable company of angels, right? The general assembly of the church, the church is going to be there, of the firstborn which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, God's going to be there, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. They're going to be there. Okay? Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, speak better things than that of Abel. So that tells you who's going to be in that heavenly city of the New Jerusalem. So it is the dwelling place of the glorified saints of God throughout eternity. Called New Jerusalem. Okay, and that's some aspects we just went through uh, on the New Jerusalem. Now, they praise the Lord. <clears throat> now you have some that are going to be in that heavenly city, New Jerusalem, and then you have the new heavens and the new earth. Real quick, it's possible, and I personally believe, this is very interesting. Let me just say this is debatable. When I say this, I'm not being dogmatic, all right? But after the, after the earth has gone through great destruction in the tribulation period, in the second coming of Jesus and the war of Armageddon takes place, when does the new heavens and the new earth and new Jerusalem come into, into being? Does it come into being at the beginning of the thousand-year reign or at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ? A good question, okay? The tribulation period has devastated planet Earth. Now, if we look at the Scripture, the Bible tells us there's going to be a thousand-year reign of Christ, but connected to that at some point, either at the beginning of that or after that, there's going to be a new heavens, new earth, and new Jerusalem. Okay. Two possibilities. At the beginning of the kingdom age, there's the renovation of the earth. It's a new heaven and new earth at the beginning of the kingdom age. There's a little bit of contradiction with that though. Alright? Now, more likely after the thousand year reign of Christ on the earth, there will be the renovation of the earth by fire. After the thousand year reign. Okay? New heavens and new earth. But... What about the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven? Well, it is possible in that thousand year reign of Christ to have glorified saints that have been resurrected and raptured into this place called the new Jerusalem. That it, The Bible says it's going to come down from God out of heaven. So it is possible it will be connected to the earth in some way. The throne of God will be there, uh, so on and so forth. And you have living people in the nation. So I believe that it is possible the new Jerusalem comes down from God out of heaven at the beginning of the tribulation period, some people put it at the end of the thousand year reign, okay? All right, I don't want, that's the best I can do. All right, say praise the Lord. Let's move on now to the abode of the unrighteous, the ungodly, that is a place called hell. Now, it is the place of unredeemed people. Those, now listen carefully, the place of unredeemed people, those who have died in sin and those who are unregenerated. Okay? So, <clears throat> The probation for the righteous, the dwelling place is heaven. But the unrighteous, the ungodly, the unholy, the sinner, those who are unregenerate. Let me say it again. Not just those who are unregenerate, but those who were regenerated, but dead, died again. They're living in sin. They will be in a place called hell. Alright? You mark that down. It's very important. So what we will have in hell are people who are unregenerate, never became born again. And we have also people who at one time were born again, but backslid into a sinful lifestyle and chose to live that way. They will be in hell. Okay? 
These are eternal things. Now, it's the place of the unredeemed, those who die in sins, or those who are unregenerate. Uh, punishment, Revelation 20, 12 through 15. Now, it's an actual place, Matthew 5, 22, 5, 29, 5, 30, 10, 28, 18, 9, 23, 15. It's an actual place, just like <coughs> heaven or the new Jerusalem is an actual place, or the new earth is an actual place, or the new heaven is an actual place. Hell is an actual place. Okay? It's a physical location, just like heaven is. It is. Are you with me? The place that God, Jesus, came to save you from. It's prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, 41. It was prepared by God. God literally made hell. He created hell for a specific reason. And that specific reason was for the devil and his angels. But Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah says, hell hath enlarged itself and opened its mouth without measure. So, it was originally created for the devil and his angels, but it enlarged itself, opened its mouth without measure, because now man is going to go to that place that was never prepared for him to go. God did not prepare that place for man to go there. Then why will man be in the place that God prepared for the devil and the angels? Because if man serves the devil... They're going to go where the devil is. Do you understand that? So that's why now the place that God prepared for the devil and angels, men are going to be there. What a horrible place. Because they followed Him. And they served Him instead of the Lord. Okay? Now, <coughs> there are three divisions uh, of hell. All will be swallowed up into Gehenna. Now, Gehenna is the lake of fire. Do you all see that right here? That's the final hell. The final hell is the lake of fire or Gehenna. Now, <clears throat> let me basically put it to you this way so you can understand. There are three hells that will be cast into the final hell. Now, I know that kind of blows your mind. I I'm not going to get into you know, if, if the translation is accurate or not. That's not what my purpose is today. What I'm going to do, based on the translation the translators give us, they called all of these places hell. They called the three places that will be cast into the final hell, hell as well. Okay? So I'm just going to look at the translation and we're just going to go with that, just for the sake of understanding. Now, in the past... I've broken it down and explained to you the differences. But the, the whole point being is this. You can receive this. There are three hells. And three hells will be cast into, if you, if you can receive it, into a final hell. Okay? Now, hell. Three places. Three divisions will be all swallowed up into Gehenna. The first one is Sheol. Hebrew word <coughs> Sheol. And the Greek word, Hades. So obviously in the Old Testament, your Bible was written in Hebrew and Aramaic. Correct? Okay. The Hebrew word is Sheol. In the New Testament, obviously, in the New Testament, your New Testament Bible was written in Greek. 
the same place called Sheol in the Hebrew is called Hades in the Greek. Now, those words, Sheol in the Hebrew, Hades in the Greek, were translated by the translators this way. Okay? <coughs> Sheol or Hades is the place of departed spirits. It is the unseen state, sometimes called the grave. Now, here's the translation of the Hebrew word Sheol. Did you get it? Again, Sheol or Hades is the place of departed spirits. Okay? Sheol or Hades, let's first start with Sheol, Hebrew, is translated hell three times. It's called the grave, or translated the grave 31 times. It's called the pit three times. Deuteronomy 32.2, 2 Samuel 22.6, Psalm 18.5, Job 11.8, and 6. Psalm 917, 1610, 55, 15, 86, 13. Proverbs 2314, 1511, 2720. Amos 9, 2, Jonah 2, 2, Isaiah 14, 9, and 15. Alright, so you see, when you look at that word Sheol in the Hebrew, if you read your English Bible, it's going to have different translations. It's going to be translated as hell. It's going to be translated as the grave. It's going to be translated as the pit. With me? So when you read it in the English, you don't see Sheol. You see hell, grave, pit, so on and so forth. Again, that is the place of departed spirits. Now, in the Bible, as you read those verses, you will find that that place called Sheol, the place of departed spirits, is down. It's down. Okay? And <clears throat> it's beneath. It's in the depths. It's a place of pain and sorrow. The good news is the righteous are promised deliverance from it. Okay? So we'll just call that first place, that uh, place of departed spirits that is underneath, that's beneath, so on and so forth. You with me here? That uh, invisible state, we'll call that hell, the grave, the pit. And it's a place, uh, you understand? Okay. Of, again, pain, sorrow, so on, and forth, so on and so forth. Now the Greek word in the New Testament for that place, Hades, is translated ten times hell. Grave, one time. Here's the, the uh, Scriptures. Matthew eleven twenty three, Luke ten fifteen, Matthew sixteen eighteen, Luke sixteen twenty three, Acts two twenty seven thirty one, Revelation one eighteen, six eight twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen, First Corinthians fifteen fifty five. Okay. <clears throat> so Greek word Hades, same place as Sheol. It's down. It has gates. It's a place of spirits of the departed dead. It's eventually cast into the lake of fire, the final Gehenna. Do you understand that? Say praise the Lord. So in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it is a place of departed spirits. So we will call that place Sheol. We'll call that the first hell. Okay? Or the grave or the pit. Now, the second one that we'll talk about is Tartarus. The second hell. You with me? 
Now, who, who goes into Sheol? Who goes into that <coughs> place called that, that place of departed spirits? Again, I don't necessarily like the translations always because grave is not the place of departed spirits. The grave is where you put the body. But as I told you today, I'm not trying to break that down for you. I'm just giving you translations. Okay? So if Sheol is the place of departed spirits, it's in the underworld. The spirits that go there, you with me? Are the spirits of human beings that have died. Obviously their bodies in the grave, whatever. But their spirits, the spirits of, of human beings are in Sheol or Hades. The next one is the location of fallen angels. It's called Tartarus. Let's go to the book of Jude. We'll, we'll call it the second hell. Uh, no, Second Peter 2.4. <coughs> Jude also gives us further information about that place. Second Peter 2 verse 4, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to what? Hell. Now, the Greek word there is Tartarus. But it's translated in the English, hell. So this is, if you will, a second hell. And <coughs> the Bible is very clear as to who is in that division, okay, of hell, they are fallen angels. Fallen angels. Sheol is the location of departed spirits of human beings. Tartarus is the location or the jailhouse of fallen angels. Okay? So, for if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them in a change of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. That's that final judgment. Okay, go due to verse 6. Gives us more information about them. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but their own, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains of darkness unto the judgment of the great day. So Jude in verse 6 gives us more detail about those angels that sin. Alright. So there are angels, or fallen angels right now that are not walking on the earth. Some of them committed a, a certain kind of sin. They left their first estate, heaven, uh, I know what I personally believe it is, is that they came down and cohabitated with daughters of men. Okay? Praise the Lord. And they produced an offspring called Nephilim. Nephilim giants. Hebrew word Nephilim. The word Nephilim that uh, in, Hebrew, in Genesis chapter 6 I talked about they produced giants. The Hebrew word is Nephilim. Nephilim giants is never used to designate a human giant. Never in the Bible is Nephilim used to designate a human giant. So there were giants, offspring, that came as a result of fallen angels leaving their first estate and coming down and having relationships with strange flesh, women. And they produced these offspring called giants. Uh, so anyway, that's just real quick. That's who I believe these angels are that are no longer allowed to, or these fallen angels that are no longer allowed to walk on the earth. Okay? They are reserved in chains. They're in jail. They're in prison right now. So if you take 2 Peter 2, 4 and Jude verse 6 and then go to Genesis chapter 6, you'll see, I believe, when it happened. Okay. The whole point being is the Bible calls Tartarus hell. It's translated that way from the Greek. So we got a second hell, the prison of fallen angels. Now, the third hell. The third division in, in hell is called the abyss. 
Okay, real fast before I go on from Tartarus. Um, once in the New Testament, it's used. Second Peter 2, 4, it's translated hell. It's a prison or jail for sinning fallen angels until the time of judgment right before the judgment of the great white throne. Some say at the great white throne. That's as far as the final judgment. 1 Corinthians 6, 3, Revelation 20, 11 through 15, 2 Peter 2, 4, and Jude verse 6. All right, third division, abyss. Is the third division, it is lower down. Uh, it's deep in the earth. Psalm 63, verse 9, 13, 9. Okay, okay. Uh, Isaiah 44, 23, Ezekiel 26, 20, Psalm 88, 6. Uh, 88, 13, Ephesians 4, 9, uh, the abyss. It's the deep or the bottomless pit. The Hebrew word, abaddon, is translated destruction in the Old Testament. The New Testament word, uh, this follows the line of the Hebrew, abaddon. You with me here? Okay. Uh, the Greek is also apollyon in the New Testament. But anyway, let me give you some scriptures on this. Job 26, 6, 28, 22, 31, 12, Psalm 88, verse 11, Proverbs 27, 20, 15, 11, Revelation 9, 11. Uh, the Greek word is Apollyon, translated destruction, and Apollyon in the New Testament. Matthew 7, 13, 9, 22, Philippians 3, 19, 2 Peter 2, 1, 3, 16, Revelation 9 and 11. It's called the deep, Revelation 9, 1, 3, Luke 8, 31, I believe it is. Bottomless pit, Revelation 9, 1 through 3, 20, 1 through 3, and 7. Also known as the abyss. It's a jail. It's a dungeon. It's the boat of of, um, of demons. Of demon spirits. It's a deeper pit than Sheol or Hades. Okay? So if you look over here, you see the bottomless pit. Now, here we go. <clears throat> what we have here is the grave where the body would go. We have Sheol or Hades in the Greek. Translated various ways that we already covered. That's the departed spirits of human beings. You with me? Okay. Tartarus, translated hell and other, uh, is the prison of fallen angels. The underworld or the abyss, bottomless pits, so on and so forth, Abaddon, the place of destruction, is deeper than the other. And this is the location of demons. So you have, if you go by the translation, you have three hells. One where the departed spirits of human beings go, one where fallen angels go, and one where demons go. Okay? Now, all three of those are going to be, tr be cast into, if you can understand it by translation, into the final hell. The final hell is Hebrew Old Testament Tophet. In the New Testament, it's called Gehenna. That's the final hell. Are you with me? Now, so just like, whew, help me God, just like in, you have criminals, right? We have criminals on planet earth. And those criminals are taken and they are putting into jails in different places. Not every criminal goes to the same place. Not every criminal, go, a criminal goes to, you know, this jail or this prison or this dungeon. It depends on the crime of the criminal as to where they are put. Okay. Same thing. These temporary hells, okay, are where you put people. 
that are lost. And, and there's different locations. The, uh, the lost are placed in Sheol, the place of departed spirits, the place of torment and suffering. The fallen angels are put in a different compartment called Tartarus. The demons are put in a different location called the abyss. Now, I'm just using the words here. That's all I'm doing. I'm not trying to break it down for you. All of these three jailhouses, these dungeons, these prisons of the various types of individuals are going to be taken and cast into the final hell. So they're going to be taken out of prison, come before God, the book's going to be opened, judged, sentenced, and put in, put in the final. It's like coming out of jail, you know. Brother Michael catch you doing something wrong, put you in jail. Then you go stand before the judge and the judge says, this is why you're going to prison. Right? Okay, so that's what's going to happen. There's going to be a judgment for the lost humanity that come out of Sheol. There's going to be a judgment for fallen angels that come out of Tartarus. There's going to be a judgment for demons that come out of the abyss. And they're going to stand before the God. They're going to be sentenced before the judge, God. And the books are going to be open. They're going to be judged there. And they're going to cast into the eternal prison called Gehenna or Tophet in the Hebrew. Uh, uh, that's the final one. So three hells are finally going to be cast into the final hell now to me it's just it's beautiful to, to explain it to you that way because when you read the bible you see these words sheol tartarus and and the abyss translated different ways okay so let's just leave it like that just for now three hells cast into the final hell different location for different criminals but all are going to be cast into the final hell and that is gehenna so first of all Let's talk about Gehenna. Is the final and eternal hell. In the Greek, it's, it's translated... In the Greek, it's Gehenna. <coughs> it's the Valley of Hinnom. It's translated hell 12 times. Matthew 5, 22, 29. 5, 29, 5, 30. Matthew 10, 28. Matthew 18, 9. Matthew 23, 15. 23, 33, Mark 9, 43, 45, 47, Luke 12, 5, uh, James 3, 6. Okay? So Gehenna is translated 12 times as hell. It's translated the lake of fire five times. Revelation 19, 20, 20, 10, 2014, 2015, 21, 8. Okay? It is the final state of the wicked which God prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, in the Old Testament, this final place, Gehenna, in the Valley of Hinnom, was called Tophet. You with me? Tophet of the Old Testament is the same thing as Gehenna in the New Testament. Same place. It's that final place. <clears throat> so when we study the Old Testament in order to understand what that final place called hell is going to be like. You study Tophet. Okay? And you study Gehenna in the New Testament. First of all, Tophet equals an altar. Tophet means altar. When Israel fell into idolatry, okay, they used a valley on the east side of Jerusalem to burn their children alive. And the refuse of the city with fire and brimstone. Tophet 
is also called the valley of the dead, Jeremiah 31.40, or the valley of, the, of dead bodies. Wicked kings made their children pass through the fire unto Baal and Moloch. Baal was the sun god. Moloch was the fire god. Okay? Okay, so you with me up to this point? So Israel falls into idolatry on the east side of Jerusalem in the valley of Hinnom. They, they took their children, they put them in the molten arms of Moloch. Burning molten arms of Moloch. And so these living, living children were literally burned to death alive. And the reason why it was called Tophet, because it was an altar. It was an altar that was, was placed there to the worship of the false god Baal, the sun god, and the false god Molech, the fire god. Can you imagine God's people falling so far away from God in idolatry that they would offer their children as a sacrifice to Baal, the sun god, and Moloch, the fire god, and that sacrifice, they were burned alive. The Tophet is also connected uh, to the drum. And to drown out the cries of those, of those children, the sorrow, the pain, and the suffering, the groans of those children, they would beat the drums and play cymbals and go into frenzied acts of worship unto this false god. Okay? So this place, Tophet, then became a, a picture of hell in the future. You understand that? Now, Josias, a godly king named Josias, he got rid of this worship, this idol worship, and child sacrifice, and turned that place, the valley of Hinnom on the east side of Jerusalem, instead, instead of an altar where they offered sacrifices and burned their children alive, he turned it into a place of a garbage dump where the refuge of the city was cast out. And they used brimstone mixed with the fire. The brimstone was what kept the fire burning. That's why it's called fire and brimstone. All right? Now, brimstone by itself is very, very abrasive to human flesh. It's brimstone uh, agitates human flesh. Well, then you put that in the fire. You've got a horrible, torturous, tormenting type of thing. And God uh, lets us know that Tophet is a picture of this final place called hell. Okay? Horrible, horrible place of, torment, uh, 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 of torture and torment. Now, let me give you some scriptures. Leviticus 18.21 Deuteronomy 18.10, Ezekiel 22, or 23.27, and 23.39, 2 Chronicles 28, 3-4, uh, 2 Chronicles 33.6, Jeremiah 7.31, 19, 1-12. They were literally, literally roasted alive. The screams, the agonizing screams of those children were drowned out by cymbals and the shouts of frenzied worship. Also drums. It was also known as the valley of the groan of children. Second Chronicles 28, 3 through 4, 33, verse 6. Okay? Horrible place. Um, became a, place, a city, a place of refuge under godly Josiah. It continually burned. It was kindled by brimstone, a terrible, agitated substance of human flesh, torturous when thrown in with fire. 
There's also a place where the worms fed on the trash. Now, obviously, there were trash out there that didn't burn. And so the trash that didn't burn, what was left over, the leftover refuse, the worms would eat it. So, again, a description of what this final hell is going <coughs> to be like. Whew. Horrible stench would arise from that place. 2 Kings 20 through 10, Isaiah 30 and 33. It is the Gehenna of the New Testament. Where the wicked are cast. The Bible says the smoke of torment ascends up forever and ever. It is outside the earthly city of Jerusalem. It was outside the earthly city of Jerusalem. It will be outside the eternal, heavenly, holy city. So this final place uh, called Gehenna where the other three hells will be cast into the lake of fire will be like this. It'll be for hypocrites, serpents, and vipers in character. Matthew um, let me make sure I got the scripture right. wrote it down. I wrote so many scriptures down yesterday. Matthew 23 um, verse 14 I believe it is. Let me go there. What one do you scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses and for a pretense to make long prayers, therefore you receive the greater damnation? Yes. Okay. Verse 15. What one do you scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you can pass sea land to make one proselyte? When he is made, you make him a twofold more the child of Gehenna than yourselves. What one do you, you blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing, but whoever shall swear by the gold of the temple uh, is a debtor. You understand that? All right. So it is. A place for hypocrites, serpents, vipers, and character. Verse 23, Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted weight of your matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Okay. Matthew 5, 29-30, Luke 12, 5. A valley of dead bodies and souls. Of the unregenerate. Matthew 13, 42 in the New Testament. Groans, weepings, uh, and wailings of, the, of Adam's last race. Fire and brimstone, Revelation 19, 20, 2010, 2014 through 15, 21 through 8. Fire and brimstone. Torment, Revelation 14, 9 through 11. Luke sixteen nineteen, a continual ascending of smoke. Revelation fourteen ten through eleven, where the fire is never quenched. Mark nine forty three through forty nine, the worm of conscience never dies. Isaiah sixty six twenty four, Psalm twenty one nine, Job twenty four twenty, Acts twelve twenty through twenty three, Mark nine forty three through forty eight. Lust is unsatisfied there. Guilt will be remembered. Rejected grace will be remembered. Okay. It will be for eternity. Now, obviously, if it's for eternity, that means the people that are taken out of these. I'm talking about the lost right now. I'm not. I'm okay. People that are taken out, stand before God on Judgment Day. See, these are disembodied spirits in the underworld. They will be resurrected when they are resurrected at the second resurrection. That's when they get their body back. 
They'll stand before God. They'll be sentenced by the judge and be cast into the lake of fire. Not just a disembodied spirit, but body, soul, and spirit. And it will be forever and ever and ever. That means that the body that comes out of the grave that reunites their departed spirits that comes and stands before God in judgment is going to be equipped some way, somehow, to endure eternal fire. Okay? Because it is very clear in the Word of the Lord that it is eternal. It's not a temporary punishment. Okay? It's, it's not even probation. It's forever and ever and ever. Okay, eternal. The word that's used in connection to it is Greek. The Greek is uh, anon equals ages. <clears throat> About 20 times in the New Testament. 16 times it's reference to God. Once of eternal bliss of the saints. Three times of eternal punishment of Satan and the inhabitants of hell. Matthew 25, 46, Daniel 12, 2. Romans 6, 23, Jude 7, Revelation 14, 11. So when we talk about that final hell, just as God is forever and ever, that place is forever and ever. Those people that are in that place are forever and ever. So, I don't want to be there. This is what Jesus came to save us from. So that body then, not just a departed spirit, from the body, but the body and the spirit and the soul be cast alive in the lake of fire and it will be forever and ever and ever. And so it's not annihilation. It's not like when you take a piece of paper and throw it in the fire and the fire burns, uh, burns the paper and it ends. It's not the way it's going to be for those that are in hell. It's not annihilation and it's not probation, meaning temporary. It's forever. Um... Mark 9, 40 through 49, it tells us that those that are there are salted as sacrifices on an altar. Remember, tofet means altar. They're salted as the sacrifices on the altar. Okay? Well, what does that mean? Well, salt is a preservative. And, and, and so, again, it speaks of eternal suffering and pain. But salt, in connection to the sacrifices, show us this that if you and I reject the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, if we re reject the altar of Calvary, the cross on, upon which He died, if you reject that, you have absolutely no hope of escaping that place. This, this place is for those who have rejected this altar. Therefore, they become the sacrifice that burns forever and ever and ever. Jesus Christ is the only way to, to escape that altar, that sacrifice of yourself. Alright? So I'm just being honest with you. In my mind, I'm, this is real. You talk about ignorant, ignorant people that leave the Lord, that reject His sacrifice, God says, then you will be the sacrifice that will burn forever and ever and ever. I can't imagine that. So no matter what happens, you know, in our walk with God, no matter what trial, what testing, what difficulty, you've got to think about heaven and hell is real. 
I don't want to be the on the altar and burning forever and ever. My Jesus experienced the flames of judgment on that cross for me. And it was a real, real fiery judgment He went through as it pictured in the Old Testament tabernacle. Those sacrifices were burned for, through, with fire and the ashes fell through the grate. And they gathered those ashes and took them without the camp. And when people wanted to get their prayer answered, they would cover themselves in their sacrifices. That, and so Jesus is our sacrifice. He's the one experienced that for you and for me. If you reject that, you will be the sacrifice. That's what that teaches, Mark 9, 48 through 49. It is an eternal jail in the universe for criminals and angels and wicked mankind. The good news is that we've covered this before in times past. Isaiah 66, 22 through 24, Revelation 14, 9 through 11, Isaiah 65, 17. The good news is that if you're a child of God, you're, you're redeemed. We're talking about the eternal state. If you're with the Lord in that heavenly city, even though this lake of fire, Gehenna, the final hell, is on the outside of that city according to the prophet Isaiah and also Revelation 21, the good news is you won't remember. How could heaven be heaven to us if we know and we remember that we look around in heaven and we don't see mom and dad? We look around and we don't see our children there. How could heaven be heaven? So there will be no more. God, at that point, God's going to wipe away all tears from our eyes. and We won't remember. Thank God. That's the grace of God. Because I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, there are my family members, some of my family members are in hell tonight, today. And the ones that are still alive, some of them. I'm not God. I'm not the God is the judgment. I'm telling you today. Some of my family members have already are already there. Some of yours are too. Right now. And some of them that are still alive right now are going to be there when they die. That, that, that's why, you know, sometimes we have to handle things very, very, if you will, I don't know if severe is the word, but strong. See, I'd rather go through, through hell on earth and make it to heaven than to try to compromise and go to hell. I, I would rather, rather make decisions that would cause, you know, Correction, chastisement upon my children now to allow them to suffer and, and have pain now if it means they're going to go to heaven and repent. How can we live comfortably knowing that our family's lost? Knowing that our children are backslidden? I, I don't understand it. But when my children 
they don't walk with the Lord the way they're supposed to walk with, I don't quit fighting, man. I live in, I, I want to tell you something, I live in hell. I don't get comfortable with it. I never get easy with it. Because it's real. Until I see them back, whatever I got to do. You understand? But this is the place. And it's just by the grace of God Almighty that we won't remember. It's prepared for the devil and his angels. But hell will have men in it. And, and so, here, here's the thing about it. <laughs> if you can understand, if you can understand the Word of God, the company you keep determines the place you'll be. If you keep company with the devil, even though hell was made for the devil and his angels, you keep you run with him, you keep company with him, that's where you'll be. If you keep company with God and his people, you'll be where his people are. But don't ever think that you can separate yourself from the people of God and think you're ever going to be in heaven. You will be with the company you keep. So that's, even though it's prepared for the devil and his angels, Isaiah 33, 2 Peter 2, 4, Jude 6, Matthew 25, 41 and 46, Revelation 21 and 8. It's a place, uh, people's names not written in the book of life, Revelation 2, 11, 20, 14, 21, 8, 20, 11 through 15. It's called the second death, Revelation 2, 11, 20, verse 11 through 15, 21 and 8, 22, 14 through 15, the second death. Obviously, physical death is when your soul is separated from the body. The second death is eternal separation from God. Okay, it's outside the heavenly city, Revelation 21 and 8, uh, 22, 14 through 15. It's a place of shame and contempt, Daniel 12, 2, Romans 2, 16. It's a furnace of fire, Matthew 13, 42, 50, 25, 41, and 46. It's unoccupied right now. There's nobody in Gehenna. There's nobody in the lake of fire right now. They're either in Sheol, the underworld, okay? Talking about the lost. The believers have been translated the resurrection of Jesus out of the underworld in the heavenly paradise, the third heaven. I'm talking about the lost. Are you with me? The lost, their bodies are still, or their spirits are still in Sheol, or fallen angels in Tartarus, or demons in the abyss. Their bodies are in the grave. Nobody right now is in the lake of fire. The devil himself is not in here, here, or there right now. The devil's not in hell right now. Nobody is. Okay? So at the final judgment, these hells are going to be taken out. People that are in them, their spirits and their bodies that are in the grave, are going to be taken out. And only 
at the great white throne judgment when that judgment is final where you have uh, well let me back up you will have some this is interesting you'll have some in the lake of fire before even the great white throne judgment but there's nobody in there right now the Bible tells us the false prophet and the antichrist are going to be cast into the lake of fire at the second coming of Jesus and a thousand years later they'll still be in their burning okay so the first inhabitants of the lake of fire will be the false prophet and the antichrist then a thousand years later after the kingdom age the great white throne judgment takes place and that's when you see these other hells being cast into the final hell the whole point being there's nobody there in there right now <coughs> so they're in jails now until the judgment uh, cast in cast in them there's no light there there's no life there there's no peace there there's no joy there there's no righteousness there there's no salvation there and we, we could preach a message just on that what is not in hell those are just a few things. All right. Um, man, the good news is that Jesus died to save us from that place. It's not annihilation or temporary punishment or probation. You don't go into non-existence, but eternal punishment. It is not, again, Annihilation, temporary punishment, or probation, or a non-existence, but eternal punishment. What is it? We've already described it to you, but who's it for? <laughs> it's horrible. Who, who's going to be in that place? They say, well, it's the place where God puts people. Well, God, God is just, he's going to. Uh, if you can understand this, it's self-chosen. Okay, so you say, well, God is going to put him there. Yeah, God's the ultimate judge. He's going to cast him in that place. But God is only enforcing their choice. You, you're not going to grasp that. It's self-chosen. It's a self-inflicted curse. <clears throat> it's the outcome of sin. Those who rejected God, those who resisted the Holy Ghost, those who chose to live in sin on earth, God will not force a person to be saved. Yet he's not willing that any should perish. First Timothy 2, 4. So there's some things God that God's not willing to happen, but are going to happen because of the lifestyle of the person. Self-chosen, self-inflicted curse because they decided to live a life of sin. They can. They can make that choice. Anybody can. Anybody can quit the church. Anybody can leave God. Anybody can, can, you can do that. 
But if you you choose that road, you bring a self self inflicted curse upon yourself. If you choose to live in sin, that's the results. You reject Jesus Christ. You resist the Holy Ghost. That's the outcome. God only enforces it. Didn't have to be that way. No defilers of others. <clears throat> Thank God. There, there won't be anybody, any criminals in these jailhouses that are coming to go up there into that city and defile other people. God's not going to let them defile other people. God's not going to let them defile His house. Amen? The Antichrist, the false prophet will be there. The devil will be there. Revelation 20, 1-15, fallen angels. 2 Peter 2, 4, Jude 6. Demons, Luke 8, 26-31. Unredeemed humanity, Revelation 14, 9 through 11, 20, 11 and through 15. Sheol slash Hades, Tartarus and the abyss are all cast into the final hell. Revelation 20, 14, Hosea 13, 14, Isaiah 25, 6 through 8, 25, 9. First Corinthians 15, 26, 54, 55. So all of these temporary hells will be cast into that final hell. Okay? If I understand. <clears throat> As to its location, um, where's, that, where's the final hell going to be? Well, right now we know that hell for the lost and Sheol, the departed spirits of human beings, is in the underworld. Tartus in the underworld. The abyss in the underworld. Somewhere underneath. Okay? Where is the lake of fire? Okay? Well, the scripture tells us that there's going to come a time when the heavens and the earth will pass away. They're going to pass away from the one that's sitting on the throne. They're going to flee from the face of him that sits upon the throne. And so it is possible that when God makes that new heavens and that new earth, renovates the earth by fire, it's possible maybe it's on that, that new earth. Somehow God has equipped that new earth to, to house the wicked in the lake of fire. Secondarily, it could be just another place out in the universe somewhere. They... The scientists say lakes of fire are black holes. Black holes, a light can't escape them. You know? Anyway. But the black hole, they scientists say or they say that a black hole is is one big lake of fire. I don't know, years and years ago when I was a younger, a little kid. I, I watched a movie, and I can't even remember what the movie was, but some guy got sucked into a black hole. And whoever put that movie together was accurate. And I'm talking about years and years ago. This young, this person gets sucked into the black hole, 
and, and in this black hole, fire and flames all around me. I never forget that movie. Didn't realize that they they were accurate. If you get sucked into a black hole, you can't escape it, and it's one big lake of fire. And remember, it's a dark star. It's a black hole. You know. But yet, it's a lake of fire. So that's that's another possibility as to the location that uh, the lake of fire is. So, either it's on that renovated earth that's been renovated by fire, or it's someplace out <coughs> in the universe. Don't know. Don't know for sure where it is. Okay? Give you some scriptures to look at concerning the present earth. 2 Peter 3, 3 through 9. It'll be destroyed by fire. Uh, Revelation 20, 11 through 15, 21 and 1. Okay. In closing, um, we are encouraged to flee from it and be saved. I think I'll read. Let's go to Isaiah 65. Verse 17. Oh, praise the Lord. For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. Amen. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem for the joyce, rejoicing in her people, a joy. Now rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. That's where we want to be. 66.22 For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. It shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. They shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me. For their worms shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched. And they shall be an abhorring to all flesh. Okay? Anyway, don't want to be in that place we want to be in the new heavens, new earth, new Jerusalem. The abode of the righteous. Okay. Ephesians 2 7. in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of His grace. That's what we have. For the, that's what God has for the saved. We have redemption through His blood. We have forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Thank God. 
No wonder Paul says this in 321 as he sends a worship up unto God we call the benediction unto him the glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end. Today, we've talked about resurrections, we've talked about judgments, we've talked about the eternal state of heaven and hell. Your choices in this earth, the probationary time that you live on this earth, is the only time you can prepare for that eternal state. If you're not born again this morning, don't let anything stand in your way. Because if you die and go into a Christless eternity, you can't change it. Today is the day of salvation. He's already take, taken that judgment on that cross for your sin. He already paid that price on that altar. There's no absolutely no reason why anybody would be in the temporary jail of Sheol or the final prison of the lake of fire. There's absolutely no reason for it other than you just chose to be there. God has given you the ability today to make a decision. Do you realize today that in that choice you have the ability to determine your destiny, heaven or hell. God gave you that choice. Don't miss heaven, but flee from hell. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible tells us Peter stood up and preached that glorious message of Jesus death, burial, and resurrection in order to save us from such a place he's prepared a place for us in Acts chapter 2 after preaching we'll call it the altar of Jesus calls people to an altar to that altar of Jesus verse 37 now when they heard this they were pricked in their heart see I can't convict you this morning I can only preach the word of God teach the word of God to you only God can convict you only God can draw you when they heard that message they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Many brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call, and he's calling today. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. Make the decision.
Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. The same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles and all that believed were together and had all things common. Amen. Jesus finished work. Death, burial, and resurrection from the dead. His ascension into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Poured out His Spirit on the day of Pentecost. He's drawing people right now, giving them the opportunity to hear the gospel and to respond and to be born again. He made a way for us to be saved from that place. That's why He came. Don't reject that love of Jesus Christ, His grace and mercy. Be saved. Come to the altar. Come to Christ. Who is your altar? Repent of your sin. Be baptized in His name. Have those sins remitted so you don't experience the punishment that is due for. Receive His Spirit. His Spirit will give you the power. Some of you say, but I don't think I can live this life. That's why He gives you His Spirit. You can't live it. I can't live it. Jesus Christ comes inside of you and gives you His Spirit and lives His life through you as you yield to Him. When you make the statement, I don't believe I can live it. You're right. Not without the Lord. When you get born again and He fills you with His Spirit, you yield to Him, He gives you the power to live the life. Say, but I believe I'm going to fail. I believe I'm going to fall. Everybody's come short of the glory of God. We all. Listen carefully. According to the word of the Lord, everybody has the possibility, as even a believer, of falling. That word means to trip. But the Bible says he's able to keep us from tripping. He's able to keep us from falling. So everyone... You say, well, I'm going to give up because I just keep failing all the time. How can you give up? You tripped up, but he's able to keep you from falling. It's one thing to trip. It's one thing to stumble in that kind of falling. But he keeps you. But, it, but you haven't rejected him. You haven't divorced him in your life. That's an ultimate fall. So don't let those things stop you. I can't do it. You can't do it without the Holy Ghost. Don't let those things stop you. But I don't. I think if I do it, I may stumble and fall. Everybody trips, but God is able to keep you as long as you don't divorce Him, as long as you don't reject Him totally. His grace is there to help us to live this life. His mercy and His love. Don't let any of that stuff. Stop you from coming to his altar. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name. Let's stand. Father, we come before you right now. We thank you. Thank you for your word. <clears throat> thank you, God, today for 
everything that you've done for us. Thank you, Lord, for providing a way for us to be saved. Unworthy, though we are. But Lord, our worthiness does not depend on us. You are worthy, and you've made us worthy by your blood. We embrace your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness, your truth, your blood. We embrace that today. By your power and strength, we will continue. And if we trip, you'll raise us up seven times, completely, always. We thank you for forgiveness today, washing us with your blood. This morning, we stand before you right because of what you've done. It's a gift. We say thank you for the gift, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <coughs> In closing this series on theology, I feel led if you want to come and you just, you just feel led of the Lord and I'm not going to hinder you as a man. I'm not going to get in your way. But if you want to come this morning and you want to talk to God, you want to let God talk to you. I'm going to open these altars and I'm just going to let you come and let you spend time in the presence of the Lord if that's what you'd like to do. Jesus, I thank you today for that opportunity to come to that altar. You are my altar today, Jesus. You died on that altar called the cross. I come to that altar for forgiveness. I come to that altar today for